Hey, dear listener, welcome to another episode of Double DM, the TTRPG talk show about making your games better. In this upcoming episode, we will discuss incorporating player ideas and what it means to be an active listener to your players and their ideas. We discuss making room for those ideas and what it means to also shut down ideas if need be. We create extra time in this episode to talk about our experience about player ideas, big or small, and how they shaped our games so far. You might have realized that this episode is not airing on Sunday and you might have wondered yesterday where the episode of Double DM is. This is not an error or one-time occurrence, this is the new status quo my dear listener. Double DM will now release on Mondays instead of Sundays which will fit better with our editing schedules and timelines. But remember that this will have no impact whatsoever on the show or its contents. So please now enjoy episode 67 and how you can incorporate player ideas better. Hello and welcome everybody to another episode of Double Day Am. I don't know why I'm speaking so wrongly, probably because I'm sleep deprived as fuck. I am your host Emil and with me today, as usual, I have Niels. How are you doing? I can't complain. I had enough sleep in comparison to you. So, and I'm drinking a lovely cup of coffee right now. So I can't complain, really. Coffee is still the most disgusting thing on this planet. But caffeine isn't. Caffeine is just, mm, this is the way to go. Sure. But but I'm one of the maniacs that drinks this coffee black without anything. And yeah, don't talk to me before I have my morning coffee. That might get difficult. That might get difficult for a podcast. I'm, I, I hope you have had your morning coffee now. <laughs> yeah, um, multiple actually. Multiple. Ah, but, this, this yeah, is not so your first. It's no, no, no. Obviously it isn't the first. He says obviously. Like it's so Okay, it it is fucking normal for people to drink more cups of coffee than one a day. Yeah, which is a problem, people. You're all addicted. Hell yeah, we are. <laughs> uh, no, I I have nothing against people that drink coffee, but I just don't drink it because I hate it. Yeah, so I, much. I, I was once like this as well, but I turned fucking zombie. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I, I'm a caffeine okay. coffee zombie now. Okay, moving away from coffee to <laughs> TTRPG stuff. Nils, how was your week TTRPG-wise? Um, it was good. We had a session of the Curse of Strahd campaign again for a relatively long time regarding that uh, campaign. And yeah, turns out at the end of the last session, Strahd made an appearance. Um, well, we are more or less nearly dead already so this might get interesting let's see if we can talk our way out of it or if we all just die so yeah i'm excited to see how this is going next sunday i think is the next session for that but yeah mm -hmm. okay and obviously we had the titans call recording mm -hmm. so that was a lot of fun yeah, yeah that, that one was a lot of fun as well i however had another session a session of the dark eye the dragon chronicles and it was the last session of the penultimate chapter of this campaign. We finished 
the Dragon Council, and we won with a 6-5 in our favor against Padona, the first elf that wanted to convince the dragons to resurrect their fallen ancestor. And we won and said, no, please don't do it. That's kind of what we did. We had the last session and it was this Dragon Council and it was basically them deciding that each dragon of the 11 dragons that were present, deciding if they want to vote for or against her plan. We argued against the plan because the plan would entail that first of all the god dragon would be resurrected. That would be bad at least for us humans. He would be fused with the 13th god 13th god of demons. That doesn't sound that, too good. That would mean that the plane of lizards that was teleported out of the world we live in would fall back into the world. Basically, you would have a big fucking comet or asteroid slamming down into the world again that is the size of an actual desert. So, apocalypse, happy fun times. Then the dragons would rule over everything that still lives after that. And that's all bad things for us. So we go get got up to the dragons and said, Hey, please don't do that. And they said, Okay, we don't do that. Basically, this whole session was each dragon said what they what their initial vote would be, and then Padona, the first elf, and us got to argue against that or for that, right? We were all allowed to make a statement, then we would roll to see who got more points and what the dragon would vote for in the end. We before we had this session, two weeks before, we, we were all like discussing okay, which dragon can we maybe convince from the other side to go to our side so we can have more power and not just the six to five outcome but actually more and one of them was this was this big big dragon and then can't come today no that didn't happen we insulted that dragon till the fucking ground <laughs> Oh no. We used oh, our no. uh, right we, we had because abstraction in the form of TTRPG, we had our GM gave us four minutes to discuss our arguments and then one of us would present it and then we would roll all together because that would be it would make it fair. Because the first elf had values that basically meant she can only fail if she critically fails. That's the only way she can do it. So we needed to put all our strengths together so even have a chance against her in rolling. But we managed and this dragon we really were like <laughs> fuck you <laughs> no you're a fucking beauty piece of shit we don't want you we hate you go fuck yourself <laughs> <laughs> and and then <laughs> this is just a re recipe for disaster insulting a dragon to the core is never a good idea i mean the, the funniest thing is our, our dragon expert uh, as a character did it and and, and, oh, and then no. the dragon was like you will be the first one i eat because the rules of this dragon council were the dragons weren't allowed to eat any beings they weren't allowed to actually feast on a human or elf or dwarf or whatever. That, mm. that were the roots. Lucky and for you. We we kind of tried to provoke him into still doing it, <laughs> you could say. We tried to provoke him to break the rules so he would actually just die because of the dragon council. <laughs> it didn't happen, which is sad, but okay. <laughs> no. Yeah, well, he probably thought, oh, look, the talk, uh, the walking snack is talking shit. Hmm. You, you have to realize that this is the dragon that is actually scared of us. The only one that is actually scared of us. Okay. 
Because okay, we okay, took okay. Dragon Slayer weapons. Okay. And he was the only one of these dragons that has actually nearly died by Dragon Slayer weapons. So he is scared of us because we can actually slay him and he knows that. Okay, then, then insulting him makes a bit more sense. But I think I've never laughed so much at the table. And then it got to the final dragon, the biggest, the strongest of them all. We had good relations with this dragon before. And then one of our players rolled a critical failure. Oh no. We didn't have enough we didn't have enough points as long as Padona in rolling wouldn't lose some points. We had a good stance because he was actually against her. So she had a minus 10 to everything mm -hmm. in this system with her values that still allows her to roll pretty well. But barely. This dragon was on our side. <laughs> and we needed that. Oh, damn. That, that sounds like an intense, fun session. This session was just this council, just these decisions. 11 dragons. And for each, we took maybe 10 minutes or something. I don't know how we got to four hours, but it was intense. <laughs> it was fun. It was very, very fun. I think I've never was so exhausted after a session I was a player in after this one. It was incredible how exhausted I was from this tension because every single dice roll mattered. Every single dice roll felt like it could be the decider for the whole campaign. Mm, damn. But as long as you had fun, all the exhaustion is worth it, at least in my opinion. Yeah, pair that with four hours of sleep today, it isn't really worth <laughs> the session was worth it but the exhaustion isn't worth it <laughs> gotcha <laughs> i also have a session coming up on sunday uh, my players are gonna enter a dungeon and mm -hmm. we're gonna have not a dungeon crawl because i know my players don't enjoy those that much so we're gonna have just a f i think it's not even a five room it's a six or seven room dungeon right but it's a huge dungeon so they can explore and get the lore they want and everything but it's not gonna be a dungeon crawl because i know my players really do not enjoy that so they're just gonna enter a normal dungeon and gonna be a few rooms one combat or two little, little bit of exploration a trap or two or three or four or twenty and <laughs> that's it whatever is in a dungeon anyway so yeah yeah no it's gonna uh, be fun i just have to prep that today yeah. and tomorrow mm -hmm. <laughs> Got it. Uh, I have an, a session coming up in two weeks that I'm running. I have a bit of downtime now for prepping, which mm -hmm. I will do probably the day before, <laughs> as per usual. But I made some props with some aged paper and some letters and stuff that might or might not tell one of my players that his long-lost grandfather resurfaced but is now in captivity of so, uh, with some vampires under the fear of his life. So yeah, that might entice them to go somewhere. We'll see. Maybe. Yeah, but I'm excited for that. Perfect. Yeah, because actually one of those vampires is one of the henchmen of the big bad on of my campaign. Ooh, interesting, the interesting. Tactical advisor, or one of the tactical advisors of the big bad that tries to reawaken the dragon race that was sealed over a thousand years ago. No, that's interesting. So that's a vampire. Mm -hmm. Wait, which level are your characters? Are they Her are they equipped to fight a vampire? Not yet, but the travel there will get them there. They are close enough, mm -hmm. so they can start their journey, and then when they reach it, they should be equipped to fight that, unless they decide otherwise. But that's their choice. Okay, nice, nice. Okay, well, I don't have anything else to talk about, so we can jump right into episode 67 about player ideas yeah so we will hear you all after a quick break hey everyone welcome to your scheduled mid-roll if you have been enjoying double dm either as a first-time listener or month-long fan Thank you, thank you for listening. It's a pleasure to have you here with us sitting back and philosophizing about 
tabletop role-playing and game mastering and all other nonsense we throw in there. If you want to help us out though, there are a few easy ways you can help out the show. Leave a review or rating on the platform you are listening on right now. It's often just a few clicks and types away, or even better, tell a friend about us. Spread the word about our show and how it has helped you or might help someone running their games. If you've listened to our episode on character creation or our episode on villains and think, hey, this would be a good fit for my friend that has some questions on that, send them our episode. Maybe they like it. Maybe they will love it and become our new fan and you have someone to discuss the show with. Trust me, creative dialogue is one of the best things you can do. It's why we do this. Okay, anyway, enough of me. If you are another TTRPG creator and want your product, show or project featured on the Double DM podcast right here at this point in time in the episodes, contact us on Twitter. We have paid advertisement slots as well as promo swap spots open for creators. Okay, that was the mid-roll, everyone. Thanks. Let's jump right back into the show. And with that, welcome back to the episode. Today we are talking about player ideas. So Emil, first of all, what do we mean when we say player ideas? What do we mean by that? Anything your players come up with that has any impact whatsoever. I know that doesn't sound like much and and now someone would think, why is that even a topic to talk about? Well, we're talking especially about player ideas that you as the DM did not plan for or prepare for in any way, especially how to encourage your players to get to specific ideas. This is more about enabling creativity Hmm. in your players or working with the creativity of your players. We talked about it with Derek in one of our episodes from DMDM Studios where It was about letting players impact your world, letting your world be a place for your players to actually be part of and influence. But this is also about not just about the world, but about characters, about plot lines, about everything in your world and in your games that player ideas should have a substantial impact on the table and the game you're playing at the table because these games we play, TTRPGs as a whole, are a creative medium. Mm -hmm. They are not, not a movie or a TV series that you just watch for entertainment purposes. The entertainment of TTRPGs comes through the creativity you have and the aspect of rolling dice in the game and all of that stuff. But the aspect of entertainment for TTRPGs, for me especially, comes through the creativity that I get to express and experience from other players at the table while playing these games, while making up plans, while doing some cool shit with my abilities on my character sheet, or just the creativity in the world that we explore from the GM. And I think that's where player ideas come in. These ideas that they have are the first step in actually doing anything in the world. If if a player uses their abilities, they had an idea to use that ability for a specific purpose first, right? The idea is the first step in that creative process for players. So that's why I believe that talking about these player ideas or generally ideas at the table is pretty important, even though it's pretty self-explanatory what to do with them. (laughs) 
Yeah, because it kind of all links back to player agency in a way, mm-hmm. because this is a way you can give your players agency, like we talked about already. Incorporating their ideas or listening to their ideas and having them impact the game itself, not just the world or the story or the game as a whole, is a great way to support creativity, boost the creativity of others, enable this, and have a lot more fun at the table, at least in my experience. Mm-hmm. So how can you incorporate ideas? Or first of all, we I guess we should talk about how to get the ideas you want slash need slash your players or how to entice your players to have creative ideas so the thing about creativity is it can't be forced you can't force someone to draw a painting you can't force someone to write a story sure deadlines might help might help and i know there is a lot of ton of people out there especially me as well that work incredibly well with a two-hour deadline and have to do something for For one of my sessions recently, or well, the session I had two days ago, Vampire the Masquerade, all of the prep for that came on this day of the session, starting 8 a.m. till we played at 3 p.m. That's where all the prep happened for that game. All Mm. of it. Because I had nothing to do that day anyway, but also because I knew it would make me do the prep I have been putting off for the last two days before for different reasons and yeah that's that's theoretically one way to entice creativity but it's not a given no create no one works the same in that regard everyone has different mechanisms in their brain or different ways their brain work that just don't make it easy to entice someone to be creative but Mm -hmm. there is one big step in allowing players or encouraging players to have ideas and have ways that aren't necessarily intended on the sheet for example on the character sheet to use in D&D spells in a way that aren't that isn't normally described for the spell mm. one of my players I, I don't remember exactly what they did but they started using a combat spell for utility and I was like okay cool let's do that I will work with that what you give me and yeah it ended up to be a very cool moment because the player got to do something that isn't intended by the game which is something Something, players enjoy gaming the system they are in. Players yeah. enjoy players enjoy that sort of stuff when they are allowed to do something that the rules normally forbid because it makes them feel special. And that's okay. Also, I'm not saying that you should let that happen every time. The games, the game rules are there still for a reason. If you disregard every rule at every occasion, that just then I can ask the question: Why are we play? Why, why are you even saying you're playing the game? You can just say you're playing make believe with dice yeah. that's fine i won't i won't um i don't have a problem with that but if you say you're playing DD, i expect you to at least stick to DD for 90 percent of the time yeah i think breaking the rules in this regard needs some sort of grounded idea that it could theoretically be possible mm. in the confines of the rules with a maybe a different type of uh, with a different spell or a slight alteration of what is already there mm. but if you have to completely change whatever is there i think I think this might be not the best way to do it. Yeah, nothing against homebrewing. I do it all the time. I have I have a lot of homebrew rules, actually. And I have a lot of rules I have never used in any of my campaigns before, but want to use in future campaigns, for example. Because I think that while I still like the system, there are a few things that are missing, but these few things are not enough for me to do a system change so just so that I just have that single thing. The recognizability and the ease of playing D&D for a lot of people is one of the reasons why D&D is often 
so heavily homebrewed into different systems because at the end of the day, it's still a D20 system with modifiers. People know that. You don't need to explain it. But if you have a system that suddenly uses D10s that explode on a 10, that's something new to grasp for these people, even though that system might do something better than D&D, even though I'm the type of person that would tell you, please play that D10 system if it does the thing you want better than D&D. But still, there are a few of the rules that I put into D&D be just because it allows me to change the system just that much that I can work with it. But mm -hmm. okay, for example, now people could say golden rule, rule zero, rule of cool, whatever you want to call it is exactly that. Your players do some cool shit, disregard the rules. And I agree, rule of cool is something that should be there. Yes, I believe that a game that says, hey, this is a game about creativity, having fun at the table. If my rules get in the way of that, disregard them. That's, mm -hmm. that's okay. But I think oftentimes rule of cool is taken as I can disregard everything I want for the sake of coolness and fun at the table. And I disagree there. Yeah. I'm not saying hinder your fun at your table. I am saying rule of cool is not made so you can just disregard the system and just call it D&D even though you're using D10s all of a sudden. Mm -hmm. In D&D you use a D20 to roll skill and saves. And if that isn't the case anymore, why are you playing D&D? Rule of cool means if there is an occasion where my rules do not apply or where my rules aren't specifying anything. Just do what you think is best. That's what Rule of Cool actually says. Sure, yeah. most of the times where people use Rule of Cool is where the rules don't have a complete direct ruling on it. So it works. But often uh, my players need to roll an Arcana check, but I feel like they only need to roll, they, they should be able to roll a D100 to see it. No, that's not what this is. You can't apply a rule of cool to that. That's just not what rule of cool is supposed to do. It's supposed to just say my rules are bendable because it's for fun. Yeah, they should be exactly. That I think that's a good point. Using rule of cool should mean you can bend the rules and not break them. Mm -hmm. There's a huge difference in there. As long as it's somewhat reasonable for whatever reason there may be. A barbarian, for example, completely bending the metal bars in a cell would never be possible in real life and is hell of difficult in D&D, for example, but their rule of cool could say, yeah, sure. There isn't any rules on how a barbarian needs to break these metal bars. The rules do not account for that because they say, rule of cool, you and you at your table decide that. Yeah. And, and that's, well, that's why they do these rules of cools, but they don't do rule of cool because the barbarian suddenly can use the strength to make the bars into spaghetti. Yeah. That's not what rule of cool applies to. I know these are two extreme examples of, okay, this is just something that is that is really just the basic appliance and then the complete extreme wild fuck experience. But <laughs> still, on the spectrum, you need to decide where rule of cool ends because you can't always say rule of cool to everything because no, that that's not how it works. But okay, enough of the rant about rule of cool. <laughs> Going back to enticing people to be creative, enticing your players to to do weird shit, to do fun stuff. And and that's where it comes that's where break bending the rules comes in. If you show your players that bending the rules just this little bit is fine, they're going to start thinking outside the box the rules set of the game. And yeah. sometimes that's needed for them to get creative. They can 100% get creative within these rules, 100%. But also letting them know that this box, that they can actually step out of this box with enough reason to it, allows them to be more creative, allows them to think about everything they have on the character sheet in a different way instantly. Because now they know, okay, this second wind 
says I get to roll that many hit die to gain new HP. Hey DM, could I use second wind? Maybe instead of using my hit dice, just can I use it to get rid of this disease? I have. That's something that I would as a DM think about. Maybe yeah. I would allow it. May maybe just in that one instance. Maybe maybe it just applies to certain things. But it's outside the rules. But it's a thing that I would say some DMs would say yes to. Some DMs might say no to. And that's where Rule of Cool comes in. Your table yeah. decides that. And that's where you can encourage creativity. You don't have to at that point because there are many other ways to do it. But that's one way to encourage your players to think creatively with their abilities. And uh, one other way that I found to be very enticing for not just decision making, but quick and creative decision making mm -hmm. is when you just apply that little bit more of pressure. Just putting a timer out on the table, mm -hmm. like a little hourglass could just spark that imagination a bit more like the deadline thing you just mentioned earlier mm -hmm. because you now have to act within a certain time frame still not just one or two seconds because that's a bit short in my opinion for some creative process mm -hmm. but maybe a minute or so you have a minute to decide something and then they start to think about okay what can we do and what can we uh, what can't we do mm -hmm. And then they might just say, okay, well, we had this idea. Fuck it, we're going with this. And yeah. then they just do the weird and cool shit. And then you suddenly realize it's completely awesome if they manage to achieve what they wanted to do mm -hmm. and completely hilarious if they fail. Mm -hmm. Yeah, And very this true. is the perfect idea. Awesome yeah. if it works, hilarious if they fail. That That's my favorite kind of idea when mm -hmm. I hear those from my players. Yeah, I mean, as you said, right, applying a limit to my players. Yeah. And now saying that, coming off of the discussion of you can bend the rules a little little bit is weird but a limit breeds creativity at least mm -hmm. to some extent i i don't believe in limiting my players completely i i want them to have creative freedom and there are many people saying that if you give people a limit for example limit the class limit the race options in dnd or the lineage options if you limit those the players are going to become more creative with their characters because they want to feel still different but they can only choose human okay how how can i make a human interesting right that's that's yeah. where the creative process gets set in and that's true you can can breed or entice creativity by applying these limits. But at the same time, there are certain points where you shouldn't apply limits to creativity. It's a never black or white topic for yeah. this. And that's it's why I think it's act. and that's why it's, it's it's very important to talk about that people realize it's always gonna be from your point of perspective in that moment to make a decision. And that's one of the things people look for in GMs, my opinion. That's one of the big things people look for in GMs. Someone mm. that will make these decisions at those points in time. Many people say a GM is supposed to tell a story, is supposed to build a world, is supposed to do this and that and that. And my opinion is a GM is supposed to make decisions that everyone is okay with. Yeah. Or, well, they are supposed to make decisions at these points in time where it's like, should this character be able to do that inside the rules because if we play D&D 100% raw rules as written you do not need the game master to interpret the rules you only need them to tell the story or mm. to represent the world or whatever you want but I think that the GM also has to make decisions because there is the rule of cool it's part of the game it's part of the games to sometimes bend a little sometimes maybe ignore a rule and it's on a GM to decide when that happens yeah. on a GM to make sure that the game runs smoothly obviously Obviously, everything 
else, uh, everything we said is also player side. It's not just the one thing job for the GM. But I think if you want to be a good GM, you should have at least that much of quick decision making in these sort of moments mm -hmm. that you sh should be able to make a decision on your own. Obviously, you can ask your players. Obviously, your players can help you. It's totally okay if you don't have any idea what to do in a certain situation. That's normal. You're human. But I think GMs should still, because the role says it, you, you're kind of more powerful than your players in the social construct of these games. It, however, never means that you should abuse that power. Yeah. But you should use that power to make sure that the games run smoothly for everyone involved. You should make sure that everyone is safe, that everyone is comfortable. And you have that position of authority, if you like it or not. The game gives you one. The game often games often say the GM decides what happens. You have a position of authority. Now, it's, it's a difference between playing out that authority or abusing it. Yeah, and I mean, this is the basic game loop of every TTRPG that features a dungeon master, game master, handler, whatever you want to call it, mm -hmm. is you present a situation. The players come up with an idea how to interact with this given situation, and the GM then describes what happens regarding that situation. Mm -hmm. So you make a call what the environment around the players does in regards to their actions. Mm -hmm. That's something where you have to make a decision on as a GM. Yeah. And this is the position of power and playing out that authority while not abusing it. Yeah. And then with this reaction, that the environment gave their players you have a new scenario where the players then still again have to react to that <laughs> and you make call and so on and so forth yeah yeah there you see why players having ideas and you making a decision and a call on those woven into the basic construct of every ttrpg yeah it is a essential part of ttrpgs in general coming up with ideas executing on those ideas and then the gm making a call whether it works or not maybe mm -hmm. the dice make the call but this gm asks for the dice roll and stuff like that and Exactly. The GM asks, please roll an Arcana check. Please roll a disguise check. Whatever. But the GM asks for that. The game often tells your players what dice rolls need to be made. When you roll fireball, the everyone in the range of that fireball needs to make a dex saving throw. This is nothing the GM says. That's what the game says. But often enough, when your players ask the GM, can I find out what this ominous blue orb is in the middle of the room? Because the game doesn't have blue orbs in the middle of the room you can ponder. It's only mm -hmm. the GM having these blue orbs in the room that you can ponder and you need to ponder them. <laughs> yeah. Okay, but going back to the ideas, and we talked about it, how you can support them, but obviously, if it hasn't been made clear yet, you need to support your players in creative ideas. That yeah. doesn't mean that you need to support every single idea they have, but you need to support them in getting to those ideas. Because it's just so important to the gameplay loop, like Neil said, to have ideas, to the creativity these games work off. They ga these games only work with creativity. So you need to encourage them to be creative. And sometimes it means outside the box. Sometimes that means inside the box. And you need to decide what happens when. Also, I believe that how to, right? We talked about it in improv and uh, improvising and all of that stuff. Yes and no, but are the most important ways to give your players a feeling of creativity. That oh. their ideas matter. If you say your idea is cool and this also happens because of it, right? You Okay, you roll an Arcana check. 
you realize this orb is a magical glowing orb. Okay, I touch it. Okay, yes, you do. And that happens. Or yeah. no, but your arcana check tells you that touching it would be a bad idea. But you could touch it with, with a stick or whatever. That would, after your knowledge, do this. So those two ways allow your players to still do what they wanted to do, touch the orb, but in a way that adds to that, that, that shows them that, that their idea mattered to you and that you build upon that or build with that. Yeah, and the same principle applies to the player side because the yes and and no but mm -hmm. advice idea helps to further increase creativity between players. Mm -hmm. If someone just came up with an awesome idea and you say, yes, and I can do that and that. Yeah. Yeah, this just further encourages everyone to have mm. interesting idea ideas, and then after all of this, they made a plan, and then the GM says, "Hell yeah, this is an awesome idea. Let's fucking do it. Mm. It will be fun either way." Yeah, one hundred percent. This just entices everyone to just come up with weird, interesting, fun, exciting, awesome, powerful ideas that can just then elevate the game to that much of a higher level. 100% agree with that. I feel when you want to entice your players to have any kind of idea, one other way I do it is by showing my players how I come up with ideas sometimes. Mm. Because, especially with newer players, to either new systems or new to TTRPGs in general, they can be pretty scared of the game, actually. And you need to make them comfortable, right? We talked about that with Ali from Dice of Revolution, that comfortable com comfort is one of the most important parts for us. And that's one big step for these new players. You need to get them comfortable so they can actually be creative. And I feel showing them that they can be creative is very important and how do you do that that's a difficult thing to do in my opinion but just what i like to do sometimes is do something as a gm or through an npc as a gm that is not exactly 100 defined by the rules mm -hmm. but is still done in this way mm -hmm. through the rule of cool for example now as the gm or as an npc that just gives the hints to players that hey i can do stuff that is not precisely written in the book mm -hmm. and then they might start to think, okay, what can I do with my stuff that I have? And then just tell your players that they can ask questions anytime. For example, could I do this and this with this ability? Mm -hmm. And then you can discuss that. And mm -hmm. then you say, okay, whatever you think about, let me know and we can work out if this is an idea that could work, that could be done or whatever. That's something yeah. that I do to encourage ideas, but it's hard for, it. I'm not the best at encouraging ideas for newer players. One idea I always have is, Oh, when I have new players at my table, I tell, I, I try to never have only new players. I try to get someone experienced with the system or with TTRPGs at least inside the game. Mm -hmm. I tell that player, you're here as my backup. You're here as my second row person. I, I be, I'm upfront with them. This is so these new players can get to know the beauty and the fun of TTRPGs. Help me with that. Be their guide. You shouldn't do the stuff when the adventure is pretty simple go into this dungeon and do this and they are standing in front of a door and this player is like okay I know this door it's one of the doors I have experienced 100s of times I just need to say the passphrase and all of that stuff and the passphrase is probably encoded in elvish on the doors or whatever mm -hmm. sure they could go off with that but that's not why they are there they are there to help these new players understand how it works if they grind to a halt because that can happen with new players because they don't know how these new games works right 
Yeah. It's the old joke of, oh, a chest. New player opens it. The old veteran player already has the sword grip because they know it's a mimic. Like, yeah, th that's exactly what I want. I want my, my older player to let the newer player do the stuff they want to do, but help them in the moments where they need the help. So, for example, yeah. I have one player that shows the others how they can be creative how they can do stuff. Also, that player is very good for explaining rules questions that players have while I narrate stuff to sit next to someone and say, okay, you have this spell here, you need to roll this check and this, uh, you need to do this and this and this. And, you have, and then you just have someone that knows how stuff works and that can show it to the others. And that's a good way to let them see how it actually works because you as the GM for them are at a different position at the table. Yeah. Coming back to the position of authority you have. And there's this thing of when they have someone next to them that is in the same position as them and shows them how it's done, they will imitate that. But at the same time, that player shouldn't be the one that shows them how it's done right from the get-go. They shouldn't be the one to solve the riddle. They should be the one that knows how to approach the riddle as soon as the new players don't get any ideas. And then they show them how to get these TTRPG ideas. Okay, I look at my character sheet. I have this ability. Can I use this for something here? Yes, you can. And then the other players go, oh, what, what do I have on my sheet? Oh, I have this and this. Can I use this as well? Yes, you can do it. And that's how you encourage that, in my opinion. Having, for new players, having someone at the table that shows them that shows them the ropes, basically, mm -hmm. is a good For way. example, with the example of the door you just made, with two or more new players and one veteran, to say, mm -hmm. and they grind to a halt because they don't know anything about doors for example. And then they grind to a halt and the veteran says, hey, here's something written on the outside of that door. Can anyone read that, for example? And then mm -hmm. the players may look at the character sheet. Oh, okay, um, is it in any language that I recognize? Or, hey, I have the spell prepared that can let me read all languages or whatever. And then they start to think, what can I do to help with this situation we are in? Mm -hmm. I, I feel like one other thing that's very important is for encouraging player ideas and enticing player ideas is, I, I had a player with me once that that to me felt like they were shut down often before from other GMs and that weren't trying anything new anything interesting not, not interesting but they weren't risking anything as if mm -hmm. taking these risks on these ideas that they have was a bad thing turns out that person had a GM before them that shut down a lot of their ideas and that every time they had an idea sometimes weren't even listening to this idea and I'm not saying listening right I can listen to what someone is saying while I still read on my phone or while I read the rules or what I prepare the next scene mentally I can still listen to what they're saying but I'm not actually listening I think active listening is something that every GM needs to have in their toolkit that they are skilled at I'm not saying yeah. that you're not allowed to get distracted as a GM many GMs do sometimes get distracted and have to ask hey, can you tell that again that happens that, that's just normal sometimes you get distracted by something it's four hours of, of a game where you should be where you have to be at high concentration most of the time and, and, and have be on top of everything sometimes you get distracted that's okay but but when a player explains an idea, for example, one of my players once had an idea of, um, I have a, I have a carpet, I have the, what was it? I have the rope of climbing and I have the levitate spell. So I cast levitate on the carpet, sit on the carpet, use the rope of climbing to pull myself from tree to tree because the rope of climbing can tie itself to the tree. I am flying so I can basically clear this minefield that way. Mm -hmm. And that's a cool idea. But at every step where they're like, okay, I have a carpet. And I was like, mm-hmm, you have a carpet. And that's active listening. I am giving 
giving them feedback that I'm actually hearing what they are saying, which entices them to keep going. It tells them that I am invested in what they are doing. I want to know what they want to do. I want to know how they think it works and I want to do that. And sometimes when they're finished, I'm like, okay, but we need to talk about that a bit more. We need to discuss this point. How do you intend that to work? How do you think that could work? How do you plan to do this? And what happens if this? And that shows my plans that I was actively listening to their plan and that I respect and value every idea they bring to me. Mm -hmm. And uh, this kind of leads to, yeah, from active listening to active thinking while you are actively listening. This is something that might be hard to do at first mm -hmm. or might sound weird at first because you have to actively listen and give feedback that you are listening while still thinking on how can you incorporate this into your next scene. Mm -hmm. This is something that you as a GM need to do because yeah, hearing that idea might not do you any good if you don't know or if you don't think about how you can incorporate that idea mm -hmm. because that's the basic game loop. You get an idea, then you incorporate it and give the players the reaction of the environment. Mm -hmm. So if they come up with the rope of climbing, flying carbon, and levitate spell idea, you need to think, okay, how many trees are there? Can I can they do this? Are there any trees? And is it plausible to do so? And then you can work with that. Yeah, okay, you have a carpet, you have a, a rope of climbing, but sometimes you have to choose the right path because sometimes the trees might be too far apart or whatever reason there might be. Oh, there is a quick updraft or whatever that can hinder this idea without completely shutting it down mm -hmm. or completely erasing what they were saying because mm -hmm. of things or you as a gm say hey good idea but it couldn't work in this circumstance because yeah you need to give your players feedback that you were listening but still think about the environment that they are in right now to mm -hmm. give them proper feedback mm -hmm. on mm -hmm. how this would work or mm -hmm. if it would work as in general yeah and i mean that idea for example with the flying carpet is it's a mechanical and big idea in my opinion it's it's something major it's something that it will help them later on if they need to clear a minefield or if they need to clear other ways where they are not allowed to touch the ground or whatever that's a big thing but now coming to smaller ideas and i mean really small small ideas for example one one time i played a character a bard type person that that was very talkative and all of that stuff and they were walking through the room of someone they were uh, talking to with the others and were picking up different items and trinkets from everyone i was like my player picks up a hand mirror and and looks at him at, at himself and, and and while that he's talking all of that stuff so i was picking up the mirror and all of that and the gm goes there is no mirror for you to pick up and i was like okay then i don't pick up the mirror now that might not seem like much but that's we in germany have have a saying that goes like this klein fee macht auch mist oh yeah oh yeah uh, or small things also accrue shit <laughs> um, <laughs> small animals also poop basically yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah. um, what this means is just that this hand mirror has no consequences in the world the game or the talk whatsoever it's just my character my me playing out my character this character walks around the room and and is kind of distracted from the person they are talking to but they are in the conversation but while they are doing that they're looking at hand mirrors picking up a fork or a book or whatever right but the gm going there is no hand mirror for you to pick up goes i am instantly shutting down your character yeah. even though that hand mirror has no consequences or impact whatsoever on the scene aside from my character looking at himself in that mirror and i do not understand why gms do that i understand for example if i'm saying i'm picking up a skull or something in a normal commoners in a farmer's house i'm not picking up a skeleton or whatever hmm. because i can understand that shutting down because that's just not there but 
I pick up such something such so mundane that it doesn't matter to the scene. You don't need to shut me down on that. It just shows me that your vision of the scene is I am unable to change your vision of the scene. I am yeah. unable to do something in your scene that you did not want me to do yeah, or a, not plan me to do. Yeah, as a GM, you shouldn't be too rigid in your vision of a scene mm. to as exactly get to exactly incorporate those small ideas because if there wasn't a mirror planned in that scene then a player saying yeah i pick up a hand mirror that's lying around yeah sure go for it or if that if it might be a magical item that might help the character where they are just at communicate with other over great distances they can say um excuse me would you please mind not touching that something like this you can use whatever the characters come up with to maybe even play out the npc a bit more Mm -hmm. or if they go through the personal library yeah. you can show that the npc is very protective of their own stuff without shutting you down mm -hmm. and yeah. there comes in the adapting and improvisation part we talked about already this is a hugely important skill mm -hmm. for any dm or gm mm -hmm. to have to incorporate and adapt to ideas your players have yeah. on the spot again right if the item is anything major that i describe or something that is just not possible in this scene that's fine i have nothing against that But if it's a hand mirror that will have no implication whatsoever, I don't understand why you as a GM just don't care. You're caring so much about your scene that you didn't realize that for me to, my opinion, enhance this scene, I just wanted this hand mirror. And you were so rigid in your scene vision that you didn't see that I just wanted this to better play out my character in your scene to make both of it better, my character and your scene. And again, that is an idea I don't I don't understand shutting down. Mm. I, I don't understand shutting down a player in something so minor, something so, so simple that it just is adding to the scene's feeling, creativity and atmosphere, that you would shut that down. And I want to tell GMs, please don't shut down these small ideas from players. If it's a big idea, and I'm not even talking just about the scene anymore, I'm talking about things that are completely wild, that are completely out of the scope of the scene or out of the scope of the character's abilities or the game or the world, you're allowed to shut players down. You're allowed to just say no. You don't even have to say no, but please remember that you're as a GM, you are allowed you are allowed you are allowed to say no to your players because it protects something and this is where you're allowed to shut down ideas in my opinion every time that's where the decision making comes and we talked about today you're allowed to shut down ideas especially if they hurt another player's safety or comfort will destroy the fun of the table or destroy a lot about the game you experience which just leads back to either one or two yeah Exactly. If you know that this decision will have an impact that will later on destroy fun or comfort for someone else, you're allowed to shut it down as well. Those are the three points that I can think of right now that, in my opinion, are some things where I will say no. Yeah, I, and I completely agree with that. But these smaller things, especially on those smaller things, like you said, the hand mirror, I wish all my players have that i want my players all to do that because i am just a sole person thinking about uh, thinking up a scene and i can't possibly factor in all the ideas and character traits and character ideas and character decisions all of my characters would do mm -hmm. so i can just provide a basic scene but still basically with a diy kit for my players so i present a scene and then they say i want to do this this and this and if it's not one of the three points emil just mentioned sure please have it because it just enhances mm -hmm. everyone's fun everyone's vision and the scene itself and so the fun may be comfort and the game itself yeah and it goes also back to the bigger 
bigger ideas of mechanical things or big story plots. If it doesn't break one of these three rules for me, I will let it happen. Because I believe that as long as all of my players are comfortable and they're having fun, nothing can be wrong in our games. Exactly. And that's kind of where I want to leave it <laughs> with this mm -hmm. episode. However, I, I want to say one thing, or I want to ask one thing, because I have it in my notes and I think it fits here well. Maybe we do an episode on it completely, but Nils, how are you feeling about changing, for example, puzzles are great. Way. We, we talked about it in puzzles a bit, but maybe we're talking about it some at some point again. How do you feel about changing a puzzle's solution when your players come up with an idea that is fun, creative, enticing, whatever you want to call it. How do you feel about that? As long as it's more fun for the table, please go for it and allow it. Okay, there's the, the thing about that is that's a call you make as the GM. Yeah. It's your opinion that it would make would be more fun, but you do not know if the second option, because your players will never get to that second option, mm -hmm. what would have actually been more fun. My, my opinion is make sure that the table has fun. <laughs> yeah. Obviously. But you can't quantify fun. You cannot quantify uh, that by the amount of laughter the idea gets your players have even if it's the right one or the one that you make the right one mm -hmm. but if the idea is fun and you believe that your your idea for example if your players have been at this puzzle for an hour and you know that they are not nowhere close to the idea you to the solution you actually planned and they have a very good idea that leaves everyone in high spirits for it to happen then yes make it happen but that's again yeah. it's a decision you make as the gem for your table that's why we talk about it. you need decision making you need to be able to make these decisions that's the role the game gives you you're a decision maker you're a planner you make decisions for the table sometimes that means making decisions that have no right answer because a lot of people will have make different decisions in that moment or will choose either option at these points yeah so i know that this this question was kind of a trap question or a trick question question for units because there is no right answer to this some yeah. people would say always take the answer you prepare because it will be the most right feeling one it will be the one that is the actual solution so it will fit the best others will say i just want my players to have fun as soon as they have a fun idea we let we go with that others will say i will i just i will just make sure that my players don't get bored by this riddle and mm -hmm. everyone falls in different categories but people you when you come into this, this situation remember that you cannot make a wrong decision except if you break one of the three rules of is it either uh, are you destroying fun or comfort or will that destroy comfort or fun later on yeah as long as and you don't break anything that your decision cannot be wrong yeah and i feel like to that question that you just asked me 100 people have 100 different answers mm. because it's different for everyone it might just be nuances that are different from each other but there will always be different answers mm. they would have different processes in thinking about it and that's why yeah. so to recap you have player ideas play with them encourage them in a one of the many ways you can see for your players again 100 people will have 100 people will have 100 different answers to how to encourage this specific player to get some ideas others will limit options others will open up more options others will tell them to bend the rules or give them a time limit or whatever ever ever you can think of but try different approaches if you're jam try different approaches to entice your players to have creative ideas. And one big thing that you need to do is actively listen to your players to be able to incorporate this, to incorporate any type of ideas. And don't be afraid to change your vision of a scene to incorporate those ideas. Don't be too rigid in your mindset of basically nearly everything. 
mm -hmm. in TTRPGs to make a more fun experience mm -hmm. out of it. But also be rigid enough to have the authority to shut down ideas when you have to. Exactly. It's kind of a balance snake that comes through experience. Just mm -hmm. do it and you will get better at it over time. No question about it. There's no doubt about it. And with that, you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at DoubleDMPod. You can visit our website at www.doubledm.com. We also have a Ko-Fi if you would like to donate. And please, if you enjoy the show, rate us on your favorite podcasting listening platform. It really helps the show out. And with that, thanks for listening. Hear you on the next one and bye-bye. Bye-bye.